Imagine building an organization that provides not just for you and your family, but for the families of hundreds more. A brand recognized as a leader in your field. Why is it that some leaders are able to inspire a team and have a profound impact on our world, while others attempt to beat their teams into submission through micromanagement and managers who, regardless of title, are not leaders, costing their business to lose great talents and resources through attrition and toxic culture, ultimately running a great brand right into the ground? There is something else at play here, and we want to know why. It's your brand. Protect it. Protect it from both the outside and inside of your organization. Welcome to Brandology Podcast. I'm your host, Mark Mosier, alongside co-host David Morrow. We explore great leaders, great brands, and the reasons why they succeed. We also take a look at stories of toxic cultures and the fall of some iconic brands. We'll play brand trivia and interview some of the leading entrepreneurs in today's business world. Thanks for joining us today. Welcome to the episode, and please don't forget to subscribe and follow. Let's begin. There we go. Welcome, everybody, to Brandology Podcast. I'm your host, David Morrow, and in the studio today are some esteemed guests from Knox College, Private Liberal Arts School in Galesburg, Illinois, and co-host Mark Mosher. Mark, how are you doing today? Doing well, David. How are you? Good, good. I'm doing great. What makes today a good day for you? Uh, it's a matter of choice, David. Yeah? Yeah. I choose I choose it to be a good day. All right. I, 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 that, I like that. I that. Yes. Happiness That's very good. It's not a result of circumstances. It can be a choice. Sometimes. That's great. That's excellent. And that's so, about as deep as I get. That is about as deep as you get. So hopefully we can get a little deeper today. We've got uh, Eric Johnson and Sarah Bird from uh, Knox College. Welcome, both of you. Thank you guys very much for spending uh, your afternoon with us. Yeah, thanks for having us. We're happy yeah. to be here. That's Glad to great. be on. Thank you. That's great. So uh, why don't you, let's start from the top. Um, uh, ladies first, Sarah, if you don't mind telling us kind of, you know, who you are and uh, what you do uh, there with, with, with Knox College. Yeah, yeah. So I am the Executive Director of Alumni Engagement Annual Giving at Knox. Um, <clears throat> I've been in the role, I've been at Knox for a little under two years. Okay. So I had a year in February. Um, my background is in nonprofit fundraising and um, event planning. So um, the position at Knox is, is new. I'm the first person to have it. And we took two teams, the traditional alumni relations uh, event planning uh, team and put them together and merge them with the annual giving team. So um, trying to create a seamless group of relationship builders and um, kind of connecting the dots between donors and people that are involved and you know, absolutely. Yeah. Yes. Yes, absolutely. Trying to create meaningful moments for people to get plugged back into their alma mater. And then, yeah, the hope is that that can one day lead to um, financial contributions to college. But um, I mean, we've learned that people can contribute in huge ways other than just getting out the checkbook and writing a check, their, their talents, their expertise, they're helping current students. So 
um, we took all of those roles when I started and just put them into one team. And um, yeah, it's been fun. It's been a really neat year and a lot of cool things have happened, I think, in that year. And Are you so, from Galesburg originally or no? No, no, not so from Galesburg. So where are you from originally? Ohio. Okay, I am, where, where? I just moved to Indianapolis from Ohio. Whereabouts? Cincinnati. Well, I'm, I'm currently in the Cincinnati area. Actually. Oh, you are? Okay, got that it. That is a whole funny other story, which is really awesome and I think telling about Knox. <clears throat> My, well, it's yeah, such an international school uh, to begin with. Like it's, right? I mean, Knox is so international. People are is. everywhere. So I'm not surprised that right. you have that role being from remote. Yeah, yeah, right. It's been really, um, that's been a very interesting, neat experience, but that's a whole nother story. But yeah, I'm, I'm from Ohio. I'm actually from the Dayton area. So, yeah. you know, Miami University and Oxford, Ohio, like really cool, yeah. that college town. Yeah. Um, so yeah, but I loved Galesburg. We lived there for a year and it was just charming little town. Yeah, I, mean, I lived there on and off for four years. I, I really enjoyed it. It's one of those places yeah. that small town in the middle of nowhere, but you'll be surprised how much goes on. Like absolutely a ton of stuff. So yeah, there, yeah. It, was, it was really, really cool. So yeah, got a, Eric, got tell pass. us about yourself. Yeah. So uh, my title at Knox is uh, associate director of alumni engagement campus connections. And I have been at Knox, uh, kind of in between four and a half and five years. Uh, I am from this area. Uh, I grew up uh, just about 25 minutes uh, south and east of Galesburg uh, on a family farm. And I worked for uh, approximately 12 years for the Illinois Farm, Bu er, Illinois farm Bureau and the Christian County Farm Bureau located oh. uh, just southeast of, of Springfield. And then I worked for uh, a couple years as the Director of Communications for the Illinois Beef Association, also located in the Springfield area. And then I returned back home to uh, raise cattle uh, pretty well full-time and uh, they're on the farm and then uh, over time uh, then I was looking to get back kind of into the uh, the association uh, or and management and PR fields and there was a position that opened up here at Knox and so my role here at the college is really I serve as a liaison uh, between like the Office of Advancement our alumni engagement team as well as the Bastion Family Career Center and so really you know in, in that uh, role uh, it's really exciting I get to work with a lot of great people uh, I also get to uh, make an ask and try and secure commitments from uh, alumni and and really try who are going to provide professional expertise uh, for a various uh, various number of events uh, volunteer uh, you know our whole uh, mantra of connect take part give back uh, that is a big part of it and so uh, my role is not limited just to the Bastion Family Career Center I also work with uh, alumni from the the third and fourth decades uh, and then I also uh, am a liaison uh, between alumni and our academic departments as well as far as trying to provide uh, career opportunities and connections for students and job seeking alumni uh, it's really been a great role uh, it's been a place that uh, uh, I have uh, enjoyed a great deal, uh, but at the same time too, one of the most rewarding parts is the fact that uh, I get to work with uh, some uh, very uh, uniquely successful people who are always willing to uh, assist. And I think that's really the value uh, that I see the most uh, as far as a small liberal arts education. I graduated from Big Ten school. I went to the University of Illinois uh, where I majored in agricultural communications. 
and broadcast journalism specialization. But, you know, I mean, our college was, uh, you know, just the, the College of ACES, Agriculture, Consumer, and Environmental Sciences, was larger than what Knox is. Right. And so, you know, it was, you had to go above and beyond to make yourself not a number at a school like that. But at the same time, too, uh, when you see a University of Illinois shirt uh, when you're walking down the street, uh, it you may not uh, stop on a dime. Uh, but I've been in Houston. I've been in uh, uh, Washington, D.C., and I've seen people wearing an ox uh, shirt. And immediately I'm oh, like, hey, hold on a second. Oh, uh, absolutely. The, yes. the, I mean, I've, I graduated years ago, but I have been in New York. I have been in California. I've been in Texas. I was over in London once and saw somebody, and you see somebody with a knock shirt, you can talk to them because, like, the odds are, it's like the six degrees of Kevin Bacon. Like, you ask a few questions, and I'll, boom, they know the same people. They, they know of somebody that you know, or they know some of the exact same places. It's a very unique experience that a very small group gets. Yes, and, sure and you every talk- private liberal arts school feels that way, right? But, you know, ours, our experience is with Knox, so it's kind of cool. That's it is, and, and speaking of the branding, you know, I literally, uh, we had just uh, kind of come out with some new of those uh, technology stickers uh, for, you know, we can use on phones, laptops, like that. And I literally, I had uh, our, uh, our logo on the back of my phone, and this person had uh, a Prairie Fire shirt, and I literally held up my phone uh, right on the, uh, the airplane, and they're like, whoa, 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 whoa. You know, and so it is a cool connection. That's excellent. That's 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 fantastic. So, um, Mark, yeah, I had a. Uh, why don't you I go had, ahead and take? I had it. a question actually for Sarah and for Eric both. Um, Sarah, being from Cincinnati, I've got to ask you what what the burning question for all of our listeners is right now: Skyline or Five Star? Oh my God, Skyline! <laughs> Skyline. Skyline. Absolutely. Oh, nice. nice you're, you're a woman after my own heart. I love that. Right. <laughs> uh, it's the best. Right. Right. There, there is no competition there. And then Very I've got true. to ask Eric, and let me see if I word this correctly. Um, working on the farm, what was the largest head of herd that you maintained or worked with? Is that right? Yeah. The lar- largest amount that I've worked with uh, was running approximately <laughs> 2,000 uh, wow. uh, feeder calves and uh, 300 brood cows uh, that I work with. Uh, my operation now is uh, very small and very niche uh, to show cattle. Um, I have approximately 30 head of uh, purebred Angus and crossbred cattle, uh, and a lot of those that I market uh, throughout the Midwest. Uh, we're getting ready to send a, some calves down to the Florida area, um, and some will end up down in the south. No, no, no. Uh, th- uh, two thousand head of two thousand uh, head. Feeder, well, that's still a feeder, ton. That's still a feeder ton. calves, and okay. uh, and then uh, three hundred head of uh, brood cows uh, that I manage wow. uh, for a family, and then. Uh, but for me myself, um, you know, it's basic. I do the, the bulk of the cattle stuff. My dad does assist me with the the hay portion of the operation. Uh, but you know, we're uh, it, we stay very busy. You know, later this week we'll start mowing hay again. It'll be our third and fourth cuttings on some fields, and uh, we'll finish that up. But typically, you know, I'll get up uh, about four in the morning. I'll do the morning chores for a couple hours. I try to get to campus uh, or. 
to start the day there around 7.15, 7.30, just because I like to start early and kind of get my bearings before things get crazy. And then uh, usually when the day is done, uh, you know, it, it varies from hour to, from day to day, uh, but I'll have uh, chores and miscellaneous items. But the thing about this time of year is that we're running out of daylight in the evening, and so it does limit the amount of uh, things that I can do outside. And so, you know, they always say, you know, fall back, you know, we sit this time back. And I, I think that maybe is just for a reason. Maybe we rest a little bit more in the wintertime, but certainly when you're trying to finish things. But no, to get back to your question, that's kind of the scope. But what we do now is very, very niche to uh, show cattle. So just for an example, you know, we got some, you know, like uh, these would be animals that we that somebody might show at the Illinois State Fair, the Ohio State Fair, or any state fair, uh, and some of the national shows. And then we, uh, we sell a lot of cattle that people buy for breeding stock, such as uh, females and bulls that they might breed in their own herd to to help improve their stock. But, you know, there's always a challenge. Uh, no day is perfect. No day is alike. Uh, but it is a good balance uh, from away from uh, the office life. Uh, and also the uh, Knox is a good balance away from some of the stressors that I have uh, there at the farm, too. Hey everyone, Mark and I are really excited about an upcoming episode you will not want to miss. The legendary leaders of the Wrigley Media Group. Yep, those Wrigleys. David Bertram and David Cottingham join us in a discussion of their legendary Wrigley brand, which dates back to the 1800s. They are truly a poster child for the longevity of a strong and powerful positive brand. They explain how the leadership team of Wrigley Media Group now includes an Emmy Award-winning producer, an Emmy-nominated writer, a former film animator with credits like Spider-Man 3 and the Lord of the Rings trilogy, a producer who's worked with DreamWorks, Walt Disney Pictures, and HGTV's Fixer Upper. Their group has set its vision on growth and bringing Hollywood to the Midwest namely Lexington, Kentucky. They are surely soon to be a challenger against big names like Turner Broadcasting and Warner Brothers. David and David explain the group is in its 20th year overall, and at its helm is Miss D. Wrigley Miller. She's the granddaughter of Philip Wrigley, the longtime owner of the Chicago Cubs, and the former CEO of the Wrigley Corporation, owner of Wrigley Field and Wrigley Gum. Come listen, and they are so engaging. The credits that this group has include hit primetime productions on Travel Channel, DIY Network, HGTV, and Food Network. Their team has worked on hit shows including Man Vs. Food, Anthony Bourdain's No Reservations, Expedition Unknown, and more when we evaluate the epic brand Wrigley Media Group. Yeah, well, what's interesting is our, we have had, what, Mark, I think four farmers yeah. or former farmers on our show that have all, one became an engineer from Purdue and founded a pharmaceutical company, a large pharmaceutical company who's one of our clients for IT. And, um, and uh, another is the head of, uh, he had built and sold several technology companies and they were all raised on a farm. And, and they under they just learned about dealing with people and discipline and branding and and going to market and all of that from the least likely the, as most people think right like they, it's 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 the the path least traveled most often and uh, it's really really fascinating to have heard their stories 
You know, just like a lot of things that, uh, that we talk about in our alumni engagement team and that, uh, that Sarah has really uh, brought to the table over the last couple of years, uh, is, just, is just changing that mindset for uh, the audience and, and, and how they are. Um, and the same applies to us on the farm. You know, the, what we used to market and promote uh, 20, 30 years ago, uh, it's a different uh, thing now. And in and, and, and our marketing and our story, uh, being honest, be, having integrity, uh, both uh, for the college and for uh, what we're doing uh, and the diligence that we do in our personal lives or anything that we're doing there, you know, it's, it's extremely important. And so I think uh, honesty and integrity and things like that are across the board, uh, whether it be, you know, on the farm or what we're doing here at the college. Let me ask you this with, um, because we, as we talk to, to leaders in different industries from healthcare to manufacturing to academia to whatever it may be, um, it's interesting to kind of see how everybody's had to deal with the pandemic. And I don't, I don't think any, anybody's probably more affected than you guys. I mean, really, it's, it's, it just, it, it, it's heavy on my heart to see is these kids try to go back to school and want to go back to school. And so how is, uh, how has Knox dealt with that? How, where are you guys stand right now? Wow. Yeah. I mean, I agree with you. I think COVID has hit higher education institutions, especially hard. Um, <clears throat> I think from, from our standpoint, dealing with the, the other end of the audience, the alumni, the other end of the graduation spectrum, um, we have just had to be extremely nimble and flexible. I mean, just like anybody else in these times, in any industry, but um, and particularly when it comes to asking alumni for financial support, I think you, we have had to be not only nimble, but also honest and just right. saying, you know, look, we, we need the money. We're not getting um, revenue and income from room and board. So we have a deficit and, um, just being honest and transparent and for for our constituents for Knox alumni they they see that they recognize us they they hear us and have stepped up to the plate um but then i think on the other spectrum the other end of the spectrum with um getting kids back on campus and so our, our colleagues in student life and at, even at the president's office they've had to be nimble as well and just extremely flexible and um, I think that they've done a great job of listening to people, to current students, to parents, and um, communicating then. And I think we've really ramped up how we're putting information out there to everybody. And that, I think, has been really important. Um, Let me ask this. How do you, how does private liberal arts schools dealing with COVID um, compare to the larger Big Ten or Pac-10, you know, schools and how they're dealing. Is there a difference or are they all relatively looking at online curriculum, running on a deficit for lack of school room and board, or that type of thing? Like what, what, what are some of the differences, if there are any? Yeah, there, there are. I mean, um, well, yes, both private liberal arts institutions and public institutions have been affected by COVID. I think we all know that. Um, in, in my opinion, I think private small liberal arts schools like Knox have been affected more so because um, these, these types of cool schools have already been struggling. We were already struggling with enrollment. Um, the demographic of college age kids has been shrinking over the most 
past, I don't know, maybe maybe 10 years. Some colleagues in, in admissions would know that more definitely. But uh, so there's less kids to choose from. Oh, I was I was unaware of that. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. yeah this is. Yeah, this is. And it's interesting that you're an alum and I. Um, I, we would love to try to find a way to how to communicate that information to our alumni without causing panic, because that's the fine line that liberal arts schools are in, right? We, you're we, telling us to like make more babies, or you're telling us to, right. to yeah. like like go adopt kids that are like 16 right before their college age, and then like then get them over. There you go. Like right, right. Go find, go find any kid in any this kid that's 16 that kid. still needs a home. Come on over with the caveat that you're going to Knox. Right. How can, how can we drive listeners and alumni and those that just want to give, what direction can we point them to connect with you? Is there a website? Is there a blog, Facebook? How, how do we get listeners to you that want to, that want to give money? Yeah, I mean, you can get in touch with Eric and I by going to Knox website, knox.edu, and look under the alumni tab, and there's a staff tab, and all of our information is right there. Um, hey, everyone, if you attended Knox College for one year, two years, or whether even if you graduated with honors, you're a valued member of the Knox community. Whether you're a recent graduate or even a member of the 75th reunion class, you're the best reflection of Knox College and the life-changing education it provides past, current, and future students. There's no question that this year's homecoming and reunion weekend, October 23rd through the 25th in 2020 will be different, but it's going to be amazing. And it's also one homecoming that everyone can attend no matter where you are. Visit knox.edu and look under the alumni homecoming and reunions section to learn more about the various activities and virtual events happening around the world during this very unique stay in your own home homecoming. This is our Knox. Connect, take part, and give back. But no, I mean, it's, it's interesting. So the, the, you know, the college, the demographics are shrinking. So there's less kids for us to choose from, so to speak. Right. But then the pressure gets more put on um, fundraising, right? We, we, need, we need more donors. We need um, more revenue coming from those sources because it's not coming from net tuition revenue. Right. Um, so, yeah, I, I think that this, not to sound and too... Colleges have an endowment, right? Colleges right. endowment, which is like an aged savings for disasters or for scholarships, whatever it might be, right? Right. But but that's not anything that anybody wants to rely on because it's a finite amount. And once that's gone, that could have been, and generally, especially schools like Knox have been around a hundred and almost two hundred years, right? I mean, right. Knox was one hundred and fifty years old, I think, when I was there. So. Yep. It's that was a long time ago too. So it's, you know, ago, yeah. so <laughs> so, um, so so the point is is that that endowment was built over generations. It's not something you easily want to tap because once absolutely. it's gone, you can't just replenish it in one generation. You're you're absolutely correct. And endowments are tricky. I mean, it, right. you don't do exactly what you just said. I mean, yeah, it's it's like your savings account, right? You don't right. want to drain your savings account. But then also people who gave to the endowment may have made a restricted gift to the endowment. Right. You know, I, 
I'm going to give $100,000 to the Sarah Bird Scholarship Fund, and it is only going to uh, give... For political a- science majors that come from right. a distressed family in a certain you know, <clears throat> rural area of Ohio or something. Right? Absolutely. Right. Absolutely. And a lot of schools have that. A lot. I mean, mm-hmm. every school has that. Unrestricted versus restricted funds. So then you're really... Your hands it's complicated. Are really- the math gets complicated. Absolutely. And that's where Mark and I fail. That's yeah. where Mark and I will <laughs> Wherever the math gets complicated. It's, yeah, it's going to be I, I only know enough to be dangerous. Right. So. <laughs> that's good. So let me ask you, what are some of the initiatives you guys are working on now that you guys are passionate about? I mean, there's, what do you, what do you guys, how are you guys doing? You know, we, we, uh, we have an ad that runs for the, for homecoming this year. What, you know, can you explain how are you guys going to do homecoming and reunions and things like that? And then, and then in addition to that, what other initiatives do you have set for this year that you guys are passionate about? So homecoming and reunion weekend is a biggie. Um, I've been working hard on that and and I should say, knowing that we cannot recreate that experience. You know, a college homecoming is being on that campus, yeah. period. Yeah. So um, we've kind of let that go. It's not going to be the same. You know, put that over here, right. outside the box. Um, and we've just thought about all of our different audiences. Um, how are we going to attract someone that graduated in 1970 to tune into um, a virtual uh, video or a virtual event, and then how are we also? Yeah, those try- guys would be old, not they're, like us young spry guys from the right. They're definitely from older. The, than from the like 2010s <laughs> when I graduated. Right. So, yeah. So, um, okay. So keep. I didn't mean to be rude. Yeah. No. 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 You're good. You're good. Just create a variety of programming. Um, yeah. Knowing also that people don't want to sit in front of a screen for two hours. Right. So trying to find elements of campus that we can bring to people virtually. So faculty, um, actual tours of campus, especially like new buildings that have come up maybe in the past five years, um, and then ways that they can connect with each other. So we're asking for volunteers, like volunteer alumni, like you could do this even, David. Um, do uh, virtual happy hours, you know, get together with a group we of classes. do that now. Yeah, Mark and I do right. that. We call it a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it's true. No, but we, we, lo- we love ideas like that are fantastic. Like virtual happy hours. We did that during the COVID time. We yep. would do that with our, with our teams and with our networks, with our clients. Um, it really kept everybody kind of connected. Yeah. But I mean, let me ask you too, how are you guys connecting with the international students? Because Knox has such a, what's the percentage of international students generally at Knox? Like, well, my, like my college roommate was Stelios Kuperakos from Athens, Greece. I still am in touch with him. Like years later, like how, like, and when I went back for homecoming, it was only because Stelios, like I was busy. I was an attorney. I was busy. There's no way I could get down there. And they're like, he's coming in from Greece. I'm like, all right, if he's coming in from Greece, I can come in from Chicago. Like right. then we all went down there. Right. Because then yeah. I had no, yeah. but how does like, how are you guys doing that? How are you coordinating that? How are you communicating with them? Is it through Facebook? Is it through social media? All of the above? All of the above. You bet. The above. And I think that's, a, that's what I was just going to say. That's the beauty of this being a virtual homecoming is that you don't have to have a plane ticket to tune in and feel like you're right. somewhere 
connected to Knox. So yeah, we did um, <clears throat> a postcard with a magnet on it that we recently mailed to all of our alumni. Did you get it, David? That's cool. Did you get the magnet? Uh, yes, but I don't have it here. Hang on. <laughs> I did get it. You better be telling the truth. Yeah, yeah. No, I did get it, but I don't have it here. <laughs> That's I okay. It's a I pretty a, cool I logo. a bunch of Knox gear. I actually have a Knox, uh, um, I actually have a old Siwash shirt here, but I didn't, uh, I'm not wearing it today. So I'm, no. it's because we were, if it was after hours, I'd be, I'd be donning it. Okay. So, you know, I, I think one of the, the, the blessings in disguise here is that uh, from an engagement standpoint and from a branding standpoint is that, um, you know, for a long time, uh, you know, we thought, hey, you know, our engagement has to be in person. And uh, this has really given us a, a phenomenal opportunity to uh, engage worldwide. And to go, go back to your question there, as far as, you know, I mean, the percentage. I mean, Knox has approximately 19% international students. Uh, we're wow. represented by 49 countries. Um, and uh, so, you know, uh, Knox is truly worldwide. And so... Uh, by us doing more uh, virtual programs, uh, it was a program that we've uh, come up with virtual-wise that we're going to be launching here uh, in the next couple months is going to be our Knox Together virtual series. And uh, our first event will be in October 1st, but we're going to do a series throughout the upcoming year and see how that goes because uh, we, we see really a great opportunity not only for alumni to network with one another, but also for uh, students, job seekers to connect with alums. And so, uh, yes, for a school that's located in Western Illinois, uh, we have uh, a worldwide presence and, uh, and that's really exciting. But yes, I mean, as far as the departments goes and things like that, you know, we're continuously working with the Career Center, our Center for Intercultural Life, uh, on opportunities where we can better uh, engage and, and reach out and work with those uh, international students. And we're also working, Sarah is our point person for our Alumni Council. And our Alumni Council uh, is always looking at ways that we can better engage worldwide. And so, you know, COVID has uh, been an eye-opening experience, but it has been a game changer. Because uh, from this standpoint, uh, that we are making an initiative to go virtual and reach more than just alumni uh, or invite alumni that uh, you know may only be able to drive back uh, from Chicago. You know, you look at our breakdown of alums, and we have such a high percentage in the Chicago land area, but we have alumni in almost every major um, metropolis around the world. And so now, you know, if we want oh, to do yeah. something or if we well, want to connect with people yeah, and do when, it, when I was there, yeah. they were from all over. There was a handful. There was actually a, a group, a core group that was from outside Chicago or the suburbs or, or actually Chicago. But then there was a vast majority that were from everywhere. I mean, yes. there was tons from California, Texas, New York, the East Coast, and then uh, every country I could think of, you know. Plus, I mean, I played soccer, so, like, I was around them probably more than others, maybe, because they were mm-hmm. such an international sport. So, let me ask you this. did How are you guys driving... You know, one of the best things about Knox is it allows people... And not just Knox, but private liberal arts and college in general. But the smaller schools allow people that are students there to step up and lead for the first time in their life, right? They can actually get in front of the dean of students and make a presentation Mm -hmm. or 
discuss the cause. I mean, I remember we had the United Way as a sponsor and there were judicial incidents or there was trauma on campus and some of us got to get up there and be leaders, you know, at a very, very young age. And it really set the tone that helped us have the confidence to do it later on in life. How do you do that now in a virtual environment? Are, are you still promoting those that um, that structure and how, how do you guys do it? Do you want to take that one, Eric? <laughs> well, not an easy question, right? That, it, 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 it is not an easy question. That's not an easy question because we don't work directly with students. I, I would say that our, our student life department is still keeping that experience alive because that's key right. to Knox. That's key, like you said, to small of our schools. So it's just the way we have to be nimble in, in thinking of our fundraising strategies, they're doing the same. I think they're creating virtual Leveraging technology, still having the committee meetings, still doing things like that, just doing right. it. It's probably similar to the way the court systems are working now where they're holding court by Zoom and they're just, right. right? I mean, it's still being recorded. It's still everything else, so. I think one thing that it would, would be uh, good to highlight that hasn't changed since 1837 is is probably a short list of what we stand for, you know, and that is education is a social good. Uh, education should be accessible to all. Education is experience. Education embraces difference. Education starts with respect and education works especially well if everyone at heart is nice. And I think that is something that, you know, I think about that hasn't changed for Knox since 1837 and that continues to, to stand today that we believe in are those probably that short list of six core values. Um, and that yeah, whether we're virtual or pump handle, how do you guys do pump handle? <laughs> do you know, like, like Mark, so that you understand along those core core lines is in the beginning of every year, the entire school goes around the old main building where they had the Lincoln Douglas debates right? Abraham Lincoln, when he was going against Stephen Douglas, and they were debating slavery and the presidency. And they go around there and every single person, every professor, everybody in the administration shakes hands and introduces themselves. Oh, wow. The entire school. Really? The whole day event. I like that. Yeah, it's really cool. Now, how do you do that virtually? Or have you guys, is that just one thing that this year has gone to the wayside, but next year we'll be back? I wouldn't say that it's gone to the wayside. I, I know that it's been put on hold for now. Okay. We've, and, and people at the college level, or excuse me, the president's staff level, they have been talking about, do we do this via Facebook? And we've right. done that before where we've created a Facebook group and we yep. ask people to kind of, give their virtual handshake by, mm -hmm. you know, expressing messages back sure. and forth to one another or to the incoming class. So we may do that yet still um, to be, to be determined, but I think but it's that's a challenge. I don't have the answer to that. It, right. From a business it, it perspective is, and an IT perspective, because that's what Mark and I do. I don't even know how to say I can, I can give a suggestion. So what I saw, I, I you sound much better now. I can hear you much better now. <clears throat> Good. Yeah, I attended a symposium time for trivia too. I'm glad <laughs> I attended a symposium um, where it was basically when you signed in, you were with a group of like five to seven people, 
and you were moved from one, as you would like in a convention, from one booth to the next, you moved from one room to the next, and you were with the same group of people each time, and you'd spend about five minutes in the booth, you'd interact. By the time you got to about the third booth, it's like you knew everybody in your group, like you were out walking the halls together, and you still got to attend and got to face-to-face and meet, you know, the the presenters or meet the, the people in the booth. Uh, but it was still, it was a, it was, ended up being a personable experience. I thought, how in the world am I going to do a, a virtual uh, symposium or a virtual convention? But actually, it worked really well. And they were able to move through a large number of people in a short period of time through all the booths by grouping them together and letting them go into each one just for a few minutes. It was pretty cool. You know, David, I'd like, uh, when you bring that up, it is a great idea. And David, we're going to do something similar to that at homecoming uh, on Sunday at 3 p.m. Central Time that I'd like to invite you to be a part of. Mark, if you were an alum, I would love to have you part of it. But David, I'm going to uh, share this invite with you. We are going to do a... You're not uh, invited, man. (laughs) (laughs) We are going to do an alumni uh, student uh, career networking uh, virtual event there on that Sunday afternoon of homecoming. And so uh, we'd love to have you a part of that. And so, um, yep, I'll send you the invite and uh, would love to have you. And if anybody's listening in today, uh, I'd love to put a plug in for that event. You can certainly, you can sign up for any of our homecoming events uh, by visiting the Knox website. Just kind of scroll down, click on alumni. Once you get there, then you've got a lot of uh, choices. Uh, Click on homecoming and reunions. And it it talks a little bit about the stay at homecoming uh, event. But then if you go down to schedule of events, uh, you can see everything we're doing, you know, from chem panels to social justice uh, classes. We're doing a trivia night. We're doing virtual happy hours. We're doing a chat with Harley. We're doing a virtual open houses uh, for both uh, Greek houses, organizations, affinity groups, uh, oh, class years, uh, which will be that's cool. Good. And then on that Sunday, uh, you can scroll down to that, and then it gives you a chance to register, and I'll send you the link, David. Uh, but we were going to do it in the evening, but we thought, why not do it in the afternoon that way? Because people have other yeah. things to do, and so uh, that would be something we'd love to have you and many other alums. But um, <laughs> Homecoming, everything is different this year, but uh, Sarah made a great point a few minutes ago about being uh, innovative and creative, and that's uh, everything we're doing. Yes, it's stressful. We have very stressful days, and not every there's no two days alike anymore because uh, I think some folks, uh, everybody, uh, sometimes gets frustrated. But what I've been trying to tell myself in the recent days, and it's a lot easier said than done, is that uh, being willing to uh, improvise and just take a deep breath and know that everything is going to work out. Uh, this oh, uncharted yeah. waters this and it's and this, for sure. Yeah, that's for exactly sure. right. Right. I, um, I mean, we we do IT for Franklin College, which is here in Indiana. And uh, it's about the same size as Knox, mm-hmm. um, and it's uh, um, you know it's 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 a challenge to maintain IT security around this. Like you know the the technology isn't where it's supposed to be. It's like all over the place now. And we're like, how do we keep that thing secure? And then it zooms by, and like it's really it's really an intense thing. But why don't we take a, a short diversion here and play a little brand culture trivia? In which... Get ready, Sarah. Get ready. I'm, I'm ready. I am ready. Well, let's play the introduction right now, and then we'll come back and we'll start with question one. Ladies and gentlemen. Welcome, everyone, to Brand Culture Trivia, where the points don't matter, but the brand does. In this segment, we play a trivia game against our guest. I'm your host, Mark Mosier, along with my co-host, David Morrow. David, tell us about the rules and the awesome prizes. 
Absolutely. The rules are as follows. You get to guess as fast as you can. You get as many answers as you want. And the first one to give the right answer wins a point. The first contestant to three points wins the game. What do you get if you win? Glad you asked. You get 14,684 Brandology bucks. What is that worth? Those are absolutely worthless. But we might send you a sticker for playing. So let's get started with brand culture trivia. David, why don't you spin the wheel of trivia and see what our first question is? All right, here I go. It is a heavy, heavy wheel. All right, and we're back. So fantastic. Um, Just a reminder of the rules. You can guess as many answers as you want. The point is to guess as fast as you can. Okay, there's a lot on the line. I cannot tell you the changes that can happen at Knox if you guys win all these Brandology bucks. Like it could change. No pressure. No pressure at all. No pressure at all. So let let us look for these. I'm going to say a company slogan. And you guys are going to tell me the brand or the product name. For example, just do it would be Nike, right? Very simple, right? You know, Got Milk was the California milk processor board, right? So things like that. (laughs) So let me see what I can find here. Okay. Here's question one. Maybe she's born with it. Maybe it's Maybelline. Maybelline. Marlboro. Marlboro. Maybe she's born with it. Maybe it's Marlboro. No, Mark. Maybelline. Actually, Eric got that right first. I'm surprised he beat Sarah. I said it first. <laughs> I think, Mark, you, I, I got to say, I think, Sarah, I'm sorry. I believe it came out of Eric's mouth first. <laughs> I do. I'm not. I'm not. Whatever. I remember that commercial you. so vividly. It would always wait, wait, play during. Eric and I are on the same team, right? So I should. <laughs> oh, no. This is individual. These are individual. Oh. Right now. I always remember it playing during Days of Our Lives when I would watch that as a kid with my mother. <laughs> I love it. Now that's a memory there. I just angered a woman at Knox. What a shock. It brings back... <laughs> oh. okay. It's like being back on campus. It's just like bringing back memories. Okay. <laughs> okay. All right. You, you guys will get this one. All right, question two. I can't believe I just said that. I'm so sorry, Sarah. I feel so bad. All right. Okay. Shave time, shave money. Wait, no, say it again. I didn't hear it. Okay, fair enough. Shave time, shave money. Say save time. Shave time, shave money. Shave time, shave money. Jeez. I'll give you a hint. It was marketed by a... A great YouTube ad where the CEO is there. Oh, can I get a light flow? But if you were that dollar prepared, shave? Dollar Shave Company? That's- dollar Shave Club. <laughs> dollar Shave Club, yeah. Dude to nothing. 
Ooh. All right. Wow, she does not like to lose Eric. I think she's bad at hairy eye. Did you see the hairy eyes she just shot Eric? Yes. Did you see that? <laughs> I look, 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 look at my, my, yeah. my beard. <laughs> the it's... guy with the beard talking about the Dollar Shave Club. <laughs> I, I, I thought it was wonderful marketing because uh, to kind of bring it back to Knox, we, uh, I, I always remember that commercial. We do a startup term for 10 weeks. And so that Dollar Shave Club, I mean, it was something that literally just came out on the market. And before you knew it, it was in people's homes. And yeah. so anyway... That was yeah. just bring it bring it back to Knox there. Okay. Let me let me see what I can do here. That was a good circle, Eric. That was good. <laughs> I like that. that. Good. All right. Now this one I gave the other day, but it hasn't been published yet. So you guys haven't been able to hear this one. But nobody got this one. So let me see what I can do. Here's the slogan, name the brand or the company. All for freedom, freedom for all. Oh, I remember this question. I don't remember the answer. Oh, God. Only Mark could have had the answers and still lose. <laughs> a a company organization. Yeah, all for freedom, freedom for all. Yeah, boy. It's a company. It's a product. Harley Davidson. And we have a winner. OMG. Oh my. We, Somebody check. I think he's I think he's got his voice activated Google on his laptop sitting next to his webcam. David did that and I knew right then. Uh, oh I did. I gave it away. <laughs> I didn't even think about that. Yeah, right when you did that, I knew it. Because of the freedom. Okay. Oh, wow. That was pretty good. Maybe All right. Killing it. <laughs> hey, that, Eric, you are the proud winner of 16,864 brand allergy bucks. We are we are excited for you. There's, Our people reach out to your people for wine. Yes. The question is, will that be coming <laughs> to the mailroom here in Knox? <laughs> no, we, we will we will wire it to an offshore account. <laughs> brand allergy bucks have they have a they have a very interesting um, uh, transaction ratio with the US dollar. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So okay, right. so getting back to uh, to the um, uh, uh, questions in general, let me ask you this: What um, give us a like a an inspirational person or an event that happened in your life that kind of shaped you into or inspired you to kind of have the work ethic and reach the heights that you guys have had. Sarah, why don't you go first since you're furious with me? Wow, an in <clears throat> inspirational event. I get work related or any any. No, anything. Oh, I mean, I mean, we we've had some amazing stories. Like people were either some some people were raised in absolute poverty or really rough life. We had a some CEO people that had a great grandfather was who was really inspirational. Somebody got fired once and they're like, that'll never happen again. And then they turned their life around. They went back to school and got three degrees and like all these different right. like, things yeah. have happened. It's just, you never know where that question leads. So that's yeah. why we're asking. Okay, well, I'm glad you said that because I was thinking in that direction because the first thing that comes to mind is adopting my oldest daughter. My 10-year-old is Excellent. adopted. That's great. And yeah, it was it was just a huge challenge of uh, perseverance and uh, <laughs> I don't even know. Just You learn a lot about yourself, about other people, mm -hmm. and 
I think the biggest thing I learned from that is putting other things into perspective mm-hmm. um, and just being flexible too and uh, learning how to deal with things that are out of your control, but you're so passionate about it, you know. Um, yeah. Where did that, you adopt her from? So she was placed with us through um, family, right? but she was removed from her birth parents via foster care, yeah. the system, sure. you know, she got put into the system. Yeah. And um, so like I, I technically her aunt, uh, that's how, you know, I started raising her and she was 18 months of age. And, um, you know, we had to deal with a lot of court battles and and things of that nature. But, uh, you know, in the end, it's like, yeah, it's it's helped. It's made me who I am today, you know. That's wonderful. That's great. That's That's great. Eric, how about you? Oh, Person-wise, uh, you know, a, a couple different people. I mean, at a young age, uh, and, and and all the way through today. I mean, my parents are very close. I'm an only child. Uh, they live about a half mile north of me. Um, you know, we've uh, never had you know fancy lifestyle, but I've always. Uh, I mean, they've taught me how to work hard for things and uh, and do that. Uh, my grandpa uh, Steck on my mom's side, uh, I was very close with him. Uh, he was very successful in ways. I live in the home that my grandma and grandpa Steck lived in today. My grandma and grandpa Johnson were very close, you know, and I thought the world of them. So I would say my, my family from those standpoint, those six people right there uh, were probably the most influential of who I am today. Um, you know, a, a person who helped me in a second stage of my life, uh, you know, I... Uh, uh, sobered up back in uh, two th- uh, 2004, so I'll be almost 18 years. Uh, my sponsor at that time uh, was a guy who was a president and CEO of the Chamber of Commerce. He's no longer living. He died of cancer. But what that uh, individual taught me was how to uh, live um, – one day at a time without taking a drink. He also taught me uh, how to be comfortable in my own skin again. You know, I'll never forget the first time that I hosted a business after hours at the at our business, which was the Farm Bureau at that time where I worked at. And had all the everything set up. We had a, you know we had a band. We had this fancy meal. All this you know all the PR stuff was it's there. A place where it you was would cool. normally absolutely have a drink. Exactly. And so Fred and comes driving over there, and and he, and, he, and, and, and he turns to me, and this was. Um, and he says to me, where is the effing booze? Mm-hmm. And he, uh, and, and I'm like, what are you talking about? He says, just because we don't drink uh, doesn't mean that other people don't. And uh, the greatest lesson uh, that he taught right. me was uh, uh, how to be comfortable in my own skin uh, and uh, to, uh, to be sociable and, and be able to adjust to that. And that took a long time for me. Um, so I'm glad, you know, because- that you were, I'm glad that you were vulnerable and that you opened up about that. What's amazing is... Mark, what is this? Our sixth guest, probably six. yeah. sixth sixth guest that we we don't ask about that. That we just had we've had I think two or three in a row that they're like, yeah, I you know one of the things that changed me is I got sober July fourth, two thousand whatever, and they're like, and my life has gone like this ever since. And it's a step. Yeah. It's still it's every day is a step, but they talk about. And they've integrated 12-step programs into their business models, all yeah. of that. So it's really interesting. Yeah, I mean, I was 24 at the time, um, you know, and so wow. uh, it was one that's of those things. That, to, um, that's a young age to turn around. That's good. Yeah, well, it was, the, you know, I mean, I, I said it was either uh, um, 
death uh, and or insane oh, asylums, right. yeah, you know. And uh, right. but no, it's it's one of those things that he was at that stage of my life. Um, uh, he was the person who uh, was most influential in uh, turning that around. And and like right. probably other people have said, you know, I mean, twelve step program. Although I'm not as uh, you know uh, deep into it as I was, you know, when I first started, which I I shouldn't have faded away. But I mean, a twelve step program saved my life. So mm-hmm. you know, it's one of those things that uh, uh, I'm extremely grateful to be alive and sober today. That's fantastic. We appreciate you opening it up. And as we wind You're down, not like, I know. And as we oh, well, up. you know, if somebody's listening out there, I I, I do it for that standpoint because uh, yeah, I help I help the next the next person that comes along, and that's something my sponsor always shared with me. Uh, he said, "Not everybody's comfortable doing that." Um, but like here on campus, for example, I I always uh, share that if somebody would like to talk uh, in confidence uh, or or make that next step, you know, I'm here. I'm not going to. Uh, I, I don't want to hold that back because if I can help someone who's ready, it's got to be for themselves. Um, right. But if if they're ready, I'm always here. And there's other people who are here. Or even if you could just invoke moderation into their lifestyle, right? Because. Some of the habits that people learn during college of binging and stuff like that, they bring that into later life and you find that it doesn't work like that. You can't, you can't binge for three days and take four days off. You might be able to do that and still get a college degree. You can't do that and keep a job, right? No, it does I'm, not work, right? You can't do that and have a family. It doesn't work. And no, so, I'm a prime example. Right. I, I, my my uh, scale went from about seven, the age of 17 up to about 24. And, uh, you know, but the, the, it went from that social enjoyment to where it was just, I, I lived on it. And, but, but moderation is a very important word there because, um, you know, I think the, the attitude of someone who, who, who has addictive personalities is not just moderation when it comes to drinking or uh, drugs or anything like that. It's moderation in how they do their job. And some, a place where I have trouble with in my moderation is a work-life balance. And I think a lot of times that my addiction is sometimes turned to work uh, because I'm always doing stuff here at the college. I'm always doing stuff for my cattle. And so that moderation is, is much easier said than done. And it's something that I am still improving upon. Um, but I think moderation is so important in any aspect of our life, not just from the you know, substance abuse or anything that might be related to addictive, you know, addictive personalities. It's just if we can... Get, have better moderation. I know it's certainly uh, a shortcoming that I am trying to make improvements on. That's excellent. That's yeah, excellent feedback. That's, I, I know the listeners are get a lot of value out of that. We get a lot of feedback when people open up and, and share and express things uh, that are as impactful as that. So I appreciate that, Eric. I do. Anytime. And as we kind of wrap up, we'll, uh, we've always got a couple questions we like to ask at the end that the listeners uh, always like to, to hear the response it's because we have such a big delta on what the answers are and it's just, they're so diverse and so sarah i'll start with you um and this is this is a hard-hitting one this one's really deep and Uh-oh. if you look back um to when you were young what did you want to be when you were a little girl <laughs> okay this is a very timely response but it is not a joke this is true story i wanted to be the president Okay. Great. I found recently like this little journal entry or something that my mom has held on to for far too long, obviously. I was like, I want to be a president when I grow up. Oh, that's so cool. That's very cool. I like that. You should absolutely run. I would vote for you. Oh, I'm going to say there may be an opening. So that's good. Absolutely. Cool. And um, Eric, how about you? 
I wanted to be a doctor when I was really young. Um, and even today, my uh, uh, we were joking about this, myself and an admissions rep was they have my admissions record uh, from when I was in uh, high school that says, uh, I, you know, I wanted to go into uh, medicine because I had applied oh, wow. and uh, came over and made a visit at Knox and stuff like that. Um, but I also had uh, a strong interest then when I got to college to be a veterinarian. Uh, and I would have uh, thought that, honestly, if there was a, a career that was just made for me, it was veterinarian. But there was one thing that I did not like, and that was, uh, you know, having to uh, put down animals. Yeah. Yeah, with the cows? Uh, not so much that, oh, but, you know, putting like... Them uh, down. Putting uh, down you know, animals? It, it, well, yeah, like a pet, you know, a, li- a yeah. lifelong pet and having having that, you know, where where somebody has been, you know, a friend to that animal um, and, you know, having to do that with them, oh, that was yeah. something that just really deterred me. And so I switched directions mm-hmm. my sophomore year in college. That's <laughs> interesting. See that, yeah. That's interesting. Well, that's excellent. Well, thank you so much for your time. Uh, we've absolutely enjoyed it. Um, I know our listeners will get a lot out of it. Um, please make it, if you've ever attended Knox, even for a year or two, or if you're an alum, whether new, old, whatever, like you've been there recently, graduated recently, or you graduated decades ago, please try and make it to the uh, virtual homecoming. It's October 23rd through the 25th, correct? Of this year, 2020? So that's fantastic. And there will be a link to it down in the body, the story of this podcast on our website. And, uh, and I thank you both very much. We wish you guys yeah. all the best. Stay in touch. Let me know how we can help as well. Absolutely. Thank you. Yeah, thanks, thanks for having Sarah. us. Thanks, Eric. Appreciate thanks, it. Everybody. It's been a lot of fun. Thanks. We'll talk to you. Bye-bye. Hey, everyone. Mark and I are really excited about an upcoming episode you will not want to miss. The legendary leaders of the Wrigley Media Group. Yep, those Wrigleys. David Bertram and David Cottiam join us in a discussion of their legendary Wrigley brand, which dates back to the 1800s. They are truly a poster child for the longevity of a strong and powerful positive brand. They explain how the leadership team of Wrigley Media Group now includes an Emmy award-winning producer, an Emmy-nominated writer, a former film animator with credits like Spider-Man 3 and the Lord of the Rings trilogy, a producer who's worked with DreamWorks, Walt Disney Pictures, and HGTV's Fixer Upper. Their group has set its vision on growth and bringing Hollywood to the Midwest namely Lexington, Kentucky. They are surely soon to be a challenger against big names like Turner Broadcasting and Warner Brothers. David and David explain the group is in its 20th year overall and at its helm is Miss D. Wrigley Miller. She's the granddaughter of Philip Wrigley, the longtime owner of the Chicago Cubs and the former CEO of the Wrigley Corporation, owner of Wrigley Field and Wrigley Gum. Come listen, and they are so engaging. The credits that this group has include hit primetime productions on Travel Channel, DIY Network, HGTV, and Food Network. Their team has worked on hit shows including Man Vs. Food, Anthony Bourdain's No Reservations, Expedition Unknown, and more when we evaluate the epic brand Wrigley Media Group. Hey everyone, Mark and I are really excited about a special feature we have coming up about the rise and the challenges of this technology transportation company that has literally changed the world. It experienced explosive growth, but had constant controversy, making it one of the most fascinating companies to emerge over the past two decades. 
The firm, which was founded back in 2009, soon grew to become one of the highest valued private startup companies in the world. And yet its leadership, culture, and business practices have all been called into question, and the brand itself has been under seemingly constant attack. Join us as we explore the rise, the challenges of this technology transportation company. We've all used it and the leaders who are now trying to save it today. Join us as we discuss the rise and fall of Uber Technologies. Hey, David, that was another great episode. We tend to post one or two a week. Uh, Unfortunately, don't really have a way of wrapping this up. No, uh, no, we really don't have anything formal or fancy or technological. Um, thank you for listening. Please follow and subscribe, turn notifications on so that when we post the next episode, you will be notified of the new content. Thanks everyone for listening. We really appreciate it. Everyone, thanks for listening.